Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to Episode 9, The Big Event. The biggest event of all time? Uh, eh. is it, this is only, there's only one big event, right? There's only one big event. How big was it? Well, the big event was actually a special house show. That was produced by the WWF on August 28th, 1986. Uh, it was held at the Exhibition Stadium in Toronto, Canada. Which is gigantic. The show was a big outdoor like stadium. Yeah, and it's, 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 actually, it's yeah. actually where the Blue Jays used to play baseball oh, okay. before they moved into the Skydome. So this is this is their big okay. their big stadium that they had before the dome that they have now. Yeah, baseball. Is baseball played in domes? Or is it all going to call Yeah, it's played in, played in domes. There's quite a I few. Every time I think dome, I think like football arena for the most part. I mean, there's a lot but. of football arenas as well. Uh, but basically, this event was, like I said, it was a it was a house show. Yeah, well, like, it's, 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 the, it's, a, it's a big house show. I yeah, mean, it's a big it's house a show big because, house it, show. because the attendance was 74,000 people. Which is... Fucking insane. And you, it looks like there's a lot of people there. I mean, it was an <laughs> outdoor attendance record at that time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy that, I mean, I guess, how often do they go to Canada? I mean, I they run Canada quite often. Yeah. But I think they just, it was at the peak of, you know, Hulkamania was going strong. Running wild. And so they knew, they just opened up the stadium and was like, let's do it. Yeah. Instead of an arena show, they were like, let's do it outside. I'd be interested to see, like, or see or hear some of the advertisements for this show at a time because it must have, the ad campaign must have been huge yeah. for 74,000 people. The event actually isn't a pay-per-view. No, it's a Coliseum it's video. A, it was a Coliseum home Insert video. saxophone music. Which, <laughs> so there's an edited down version, but it was placed in the pay-per-view area on the WWE Network. And if there's 74,000 people there, like, it's, worth well. co- it's worth covering. Exactly. So that's that's the reason I know we said we're only doing pay-per-views, yeah. but it's in the pay-per-view area of the WWE Network, so we were like, let's just do it. Yeah. It gives us one more WWE show to watch before. And also, it adds it adds uh, it adds context to things moving forward. History. Yeah. Because you know what else? What's, was, what's historical? What's you yeah. know what else was going on oh. around August twenty eighth, nineteen eighty six? No, I don't think I do. Howard Stern had just premiered on the radio. What was what did he do? Because obviously it wasn't his show. His show didn't start. Anything. It was it? yeah, it was his show. Uh, start it premiered in Philadelphia at first, and then uh, the movie Stand by Me. Ah, oh, I didn't realize that movie was had just level. been released as well. Is that your favorite? Movie based off a of Stephen King story. I don't know. I, I really like the new It. Oh yeah, I like Stand by Me is great. I'm not a huge Stephen King guy. Christine, I know it's about a, a, a like an evil car, well, but it's actually great. Is it Shawshank or is it Green Mile? Uh, he, both of those are Stephen King. Okay, 
Well, Shawshank would definitely. Shawshank's, Shawshank's like in my top five movies all oh, the time. Really? Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's there for me, but it's one of those movies. If it's on, like back when people had cable, if it's yeah. on, you just you just watch it. Yeah, it's definitely a. It's one of those. And uh, we actually have a birthday of a wrestler that we all know and love. So like his their the the day they were born or. Oh, I guess that's what a birthday is. But you know what he I mean. He had literally like, just been born. He really, I think, was, I think his actual, birthday was the day actual before. Actual birthday. He was like, oh, this also is J.J. Styles' birthday. But like he was too. <laughs> I think it was the day before. I didn't write the exact date down. Oh, who's the wrestler? Neville okay. slash Hawk. Okay. What would have been really funny if it was actually A.J. Styles. But he's a lot older than that. Yes. He's, he's like 40 or something. Yeah, 41, he's 42. much older than, than the big event. Let's get right into it. All right. Because... It's pretty big. It's oh, it's a large event. <laughs> the second one could have been called the large event. The large event, the medium, <laughs> extra, medium size, extra medium, super sized. That was the crossover uh, with McDonald's. <laughs> with McDonald's <laughs> yeah. So the show opens with helicopter shots of Toronto, with Mean Gene Okerlund giving some commentary and preview in the matches we're about to see, which is nice. With like. And it shows, like, quick glimpses of, like, some of the matches and everything, which I thought was an interesting way of starting a starting a show or yeah. a video or whatever you want to call it. But we get right into the first match. Uh, he does he does, um, does an advertisement for an upcoming Phil Collins uh, and a separate Elton John show, which I thought was pretty interesting <coughs> for the uh, intro, like, for the, cause especially because if it was a tape. It's like, why are you talking about this Phil Collins show by the time this tape gets made? Like, whatever. But I thought it was funny because Phil Collins also is, was a, a theme song for, was it WrestleMania 1? Yes, yeah, WrestleMania yeah, yeah. So I thought, it was funny. I thought it was funny that they were uh, <coughs> promoting a Phil Collins um, show on this show. Where's Where's my Elton John WrestleMania theme? I don't know if we ever get one. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get one. Right. I would have heard about that. So the first match is Haas and Jimmy Jack Funk. With Jimmy Hart versus the Killer Bees of Jim Brunzel and B. Brian Blair. They're amazing. We have seen Jimmy Jack Funk before. Not as Jimmy Jack Funk. Or do you Funk. have any clue? That's uh, Terry Funk. No, it's not no, Terry No, it's Dory Funk. Funk. It's I, not Dory Funk. I, Dory Funk is Haas. Dory Funk is Haas. Who's Jimmy Jack? Jimmy Jack is Jesse Barr. Okay. Who we saw at Starcade1984. He was, uh, I think he fought for, like, the Florida Championship belt in that show. It was a it was a pretty boring match. I believe you. <laughs> I, I think that was one of the matches that I complained about the most on that show. Yeah. And so. That but, Florida belt should be bigger. Florida big wrestling. But at this point, uh, Jimmy Jack Funk kind of reminds me of Black Bart from the NWA with yeah. a Lone Ranger style mask. Oh, on. yeah, because he has, like, the... I guess that's also like his or is that what the mask Zorro kind of wears too? Yeah, pretty basically much. a sleep mask with holes. I mean, because in like, mythology, Lone, Lone Ranger and Zorro are related. Are they? I did not know that. I never messed with much. Or no, I misplaced. I'm. It's Lone Ranger and Green Hornet. Um, are related. Okay, you're not. A, you're a Green Arrow guy, not a Green Hornet guy. No, I'm not a Green Hornet guy. I don't think anybody's a Green Hornet guy. Seth Rogen. Whatever. So our commentators for the evening, we got Gorilla Monsoon, Ernie Ladd, who called uh, part of the NFL WWF Battle Royal at WrestleMania 2, oh, okay. and Johnny Valiant, who is basically a manager. I don't know why he's up in the commentary. Is he related to my boy, Jimmy? He is the 
They are brothers. Oh, okay. I was or like, maybe they're just kayfabe. Maybe they're kayfabe brothers. brothers. We, I, said this, I said this a few weeks ago. I'm sure I don't remember. I don't remember either, obviously. But <clears throat> how can they be kayfabe brothers who work in different companies? Because they, because I guess Jimmy point, used to work in the WWF, yeah. but they went back over to the NWA. So the match gets started, and Brie Brian B. Brian Blair has a B. scoop. Has a scoop slam party. He does. Um, I have a multitude of of scoop slams. <laughs> Blair's in the corner. And he ends up giving a double noggin knocker to the Funks to get out. Brunzel hits Jimmy Jack with a shoulder block. And Jimmy Jack, or, yeah, Jimmy Jack, it looks like he was probably supposed to go over the ropes on this shoulder block. But he literally just, he doesn't quite get over. So he drops to the to the mat and then rolls out. Who knows exactly. <laughs> but it was just, like, literally, it was like a shoulder block into the, into, he, like, Looks like he's going to go over the ropes. Yeah. And then, but he doesn't quite get over, and he comes back in, and he's standing there, and then all of a sudden he just like drops to the drops to the mat and rolls out. So it was pretty funny to me. Brunzel has Jimmy Jack in a sleeper, but for some reason Blair jumps into the ring, which causes the ref to remove him. But the reason is is so that Hoss Funk can come in and give a knee strike to the back of Brunzel. And tosses Brunzel from the from the ring. And then we see Jimmy Jack start attacking Brunzel on the outside. And I th- I'm pretty sure I mentioned that this is an edited version of the yeah. show. This is the only edit that, like, is Noticeable. obvious. Yeah, there's, like, a hard, hard... It's, like, a hard, obvious edit. Because the next shot, we see both of the killer bees on the outside of the ring. They're kind of ducking down... Yeah. And they're putting masks on. It's, it's funny. Now, I just want to remind everybody that the killer bees are the faces in this match. Yeah. Also, they're nothing to fuck with. So, Brunzel was the legal man, but Blair rolls in, takes down both funks with an atomic drop, clothesline, and Blair starts Ab- putting stretch. starts putting Haas in an ab stretch. Yeah. Jimmy Jack comes in, clotheslines him. B-swap. Yeah, the bees swap as Jimmy Jack's being taken, getting out of the ring by the ref. And then Jimmy Jack picks Brunzel up, and we get the small package yep. for the pin and the win the one, for the killer the bees. Dude, I love that, uh, that they're, they won with heel tactics, but they're technically babies. I, know. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, but everything they that. were doing was like, it yeah. felt very heelish, and, but they were the. They were the faces. Yeah, it was fun. I like their silly costume. Also, one thing about this show that I like a lot is the weird, like, crowd point of view shots. Uh, they happen a lot, and I really appreciate it. But, no, no, this was a fun one. Yeah, it was a, it was a good start to the, to the show. Then we get to our second match. King Tonga versus the Magnificent Morocco with Mr. Fuji in his corner. Both men... Are heels right? being booed? Yeah, I was like, "Who's the who's the heel? They're both heels." I'm like, I think they're. I, I literally so, were like, like both our heels? first our first match was uh, babies winning with heel tactics, and our second match is two, two heels. heels. <laughs> yeah, but maybe th- that explains maybe Tonga what was... happens in this match. <laughs> Give it to me. Well, first of all, Gorilla mentions a fan in the crowd, so I feel like we have to mention him as well. I have no clue. Oh, just he's but like gorilla just started. He says there's about, he says there's a fan in the like, crowd. There was a there was a camera shot of a young of a young child and gorilla mentioned it and so I was like, 
I feel like if Gorilla did, yeah, we need to as well. I think in the last it match, important. Uh, Jesse made a joke about maybe it was the bees. He said something about one of them looking like they're going to knock off a Seven Eleven. So I don't know if it was one of the 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 masked funk or if it was the bees after after they put their masks on. Who knows? The announcers are calling Tonga Haku. So we, I guess he has started making his transition yeah. from King Tonga to Haku. The ring announcer announced him as King Tonga. King Tonga, but they referred him as... But uh, on like, Gorilla yeah. and Ernie and Valiant will call him Haku. Haku. We get a nice standing drop kick to the head by Haku to send Morocco over the top rope to the floor. Morocco, back in the ring, does a monkey flip at one point, but yeah. Haku keeps wrist control. Love I love I love risk control. Love when people keep risk control out of moves. We'll find that more in twenty years or so. <laughs> yeah. Morocco sends Haku into the ropes, and Mr. Fuji is there to trip him up from the outside. Haku then gets tossed out, and Mr. Fuji starts hitting him with his cane. Morocco puts a rest hold, which I think they call the trapezoid. Oh yeah. Hold. I hate that hold. And it just it just looks. I wouldn't be surprised if this was edited as well, because I don't feel like the match went the entire time, but literally they probably cut out part of this rest hold. Because yeah. at one point, Morocco starts drooling <laughs> while like he how, has his hold on. How, yeah, the, I did catch that drool. The, I hate that, that like, trap thing. It's like, basically, it's like you're just squeezing my shoulders really hard. It's like, hey, back off, man. Like, like why are you doing this? Just, Rub, like, man. Yeah. Just rub them. Yeah, if you want to rub my back, rub my back, but that's that's too hard of a massage. Yeah. In front of all these people, you're going to hurt me like that? So Haku finally gets out, gives another drop kick. Irish whips Morocco into the corner, where Haku rushes in, but Morocco moves, hurting himself. Morocco goes to the outside, takes Haku's legs, and begins to ram him against the steel post multiple times. Once back in the ring, Morocco continues to work on Haku's legs, including locking on a figure four, which is a move that the announcers tell us isn't a Morocco specialty. Morocco gets, they get out of the hole by, because uh, they were pretty close to the ropes and everything. Uh, Morocco goes to the top rope, and Haku gets up, gives him a gorilla press slam, and then Haku goes to the top rope and comes off with a high cross body, and right as the rest starts counting, one. Two, the bell rings. Crazy uh, drama. Time limit. It's a time limit draw. Yeah. It's like, how long is I was one of those things I was watching. I was like, was there really a time limit? This couldn't have been more than like eight minutes. But, you know, it was edited down for our enjoyment. We did not and, it was not 20 minutes for us. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was bored with this match. Really? I thought. I mean, the last, maybe like last like three or four minutes were great. But they finally kicked into gear. I can almost guarantee that trap ho- uh, the trapezoid hold. He probably literally held it for six minutes. Yeah. Of this twenty minutes. Don't ever do that. Nobody do that. Nobody. Nobody wants to see that. Especially that hold. Like that hold doesn't even. It doesn't. It looks like shit. I mean, it's a house show. Why are we? Why are we having a time limit draw on a house yeah. show? The. I mean, it's. Is it really a house show? Is it big thing? I mean, they obviously taped this with the express. Like idea. I mean, of, they were gonna. They I mean, were going to release it. Selling it but, uh, I did like that. I think it's uh, Morocco blows uh, some snot rockets from when he goes falls to the outside, and uh, that was pretty gross between the jewel and, and the and match. So we move on to our third match. Ted Arcidi 
versus Tony Gurria. You want to know how important this match was? The crowd isn't even paying attention. This to is the your ma- third match pre break match, <laughs> which shouldn't exist. Like literally, the crowd is turned around behind them, not watching the match. There's something going on. I have no clue what because they don't ever show us. Yeah. But they are literally standing and not facing the ring. Maybe like Getty Lee's in the. Co- but since we do cover the wrestling, <laughs> I will tell you what happens. Archie gives a press slam, an Irish trip to the corner, a back elbow. We get a shot of where the announcers are, and they're way up in one of the press boxes forever away. So they're having to watch on monitors right in front of them. Why, like, you could be anywhere, really. Our CD likes posing, because he was a former bodybuilder. So oh, yeah. Is this, uh, what time What time period does Vince do the, like, bodybuilding federation thing? It's right around this time. Oh, okay. That, that tracks. Uh, Gurria finally gets some offense, but Arcidi catches him in a bear hug. Submission win. I know. I kind of like bear hugs, but, you know, not particularly this one. I don't hate bear hugs as much yeah. as some people do. Yeah, I like them. But they have to be realistic. Yeah. And, I mean, Arcidi hug looked realistic, especially on this guy. Mean Jeans with Jimmy Hart, and they're talking about the next match. So the fourth match, the adorable Adrian Adonis with Jimmy Hart. Versus Michael's favorite. My boy. Junkyard Dog. And so there is a little bit of a story behind why these two men were feuding. I think I may have uh, seen some of this information and I found it very funny. Kept pulling Jimmy Hart's pants down <laughs> on various occasions. I love it. I love that he's just bullying a bully. <laughs> Which is very funny. So JYD's coming out. Biggest pop of the night? Yes, for good reason. At least so far. Biggest pop of the night so far. Well, yeah, but... We all, we all know who yeah, the biggest well, we, pop of the night is going to yeah. be. So the match starts with a headbutt, a couple of chain-filled fists from JYD. Some all-four headbutts mm-hmm. that sends Adonis into the ring post. Adonis does the flare over the top rope spot. What is that called? I never know what to call everyone that. Just, I think everyone just calls it the flare flip. Yeah, that makes sense. I do love Adonis's look here. He's got, like, two different colored socks. He's wearing... More makeup. He's got his adorable look is a little bit over the top, a little bit more over the top than it has been. I, I liked it better than it was at uh, like because WrestleMania too. Is this the third time we've seen him as adorable? The first time was a wrestling classic. He wasn't quite adorable at that point. No, no, it's like in between her. But uh, yeah, I like this one, and he's getting like super big. Um, I have I have f word heat in my notes because like yes. he's definitely getting some. Uh, some uh, heat for portraying, you know, a queer a character. <laughs> yeah. Man, yes. We get a doggy butt headbutt uh, below the top rope. To the outside? Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm going to start calling the all four. I know, I saw, I saw you say that, and I was like, oh, God. It so makes to- total headbutt. sense. Yeah. It's better than, like, a, a junk butt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, JYD's grabbing Adonis up on the apron, and the ref keeps trying to pull JYD off where he shoves. When JYD actually shoves the ref down, and I'm like, oh, crap, we're going to get us a DQ finish here. But he doesn't. But it allows Jimmy Hart to jump up and spray Junkyard with the the perfume. <laughs> I was like, it's perfume. Now, yeah. Now, yeah, now he also smells adorable. 
So Adonis hits a. You think that's what it's because it looks like a it looks like a sprayer from like an old like pesticide like fifties like yeah like sitcom or something. It's very. It's not like a perfume. It's not like a glass jar with no. like the like little squeeze. Yeah, it's like a long gold. Yeah, they like uh, basically painted an old like pesticide thing gold, yeah. and we're like, we'll put something in here. It'll be fine. But Adrian now has JYD hits him with a clothesline, a knee, an elbow drop. Hits a second rope elbow drop for a two count. Trash is being thrown at the ring. And it's not like, because of JYD. And it's not because of JYD. <laughs> uh, we get. They're both on the outside. JY, or JYD's on the outside. Jimmy Hart hits him with the sprayer itself this time and then jumps on his back. And while he's there, Adonis is, gets up on the top rope like he's going to jump down. But JYD basically hits the top rope, trips him up somehow, and Adonis crotches himself. And then we get some brawling on the outside. And we get the ref starts counting. The 10, you know, the 10 count yeah. when they're on the outside. Both get back inside the ring when Jimmy Hart climbs up on the apron. JYD grabs Adonis's tights and sends him over the top rope into Hart. And then the bell rings. The official announcement was a count-out victory for JYD. Yeah. Because they both got back in the ring at like 8, 8 or 9 maybe. And then literally, JYD turns around and like throws Adonis right back out. Yeah. So I'm like, obviously, the ref just didn't yeah. stop. I mean, the count. I like it's, it's one of those things. Like they probably like do the refs have earpieces at this point? Like, or do they guys just like miss forget the spot or like what? And you just like, well, I gotta call it. We only have so much time. It's no, definitely was like, like yeah. they were both back in the ring, and then Adonis. But do you do you know if the uh, refs had? Like, I don't know if they did it at this point yeah, or not. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But here's the other I know question. The technology wasn't the same as it is today, but like. Here's the other question I have. Has JYD ever gotten a clean win? I don't. I, I'm trying. Like, I'm. I literally don't think we have seen a clean win by JYD. Yeah. I think the closest thing we saw was that Moondog, Moondog uh, match when he he pinned him, but he counted the three count. Yeah, himself. which was an amazing moment that I love. <laughs> So I don't consider that a clean win. <laughs> no, if you have to count yourself, it doesn't. It's not clean. That's there's there's a bias. <laughs> count Did he pin the sheik earlier in the? I don't remember right off. But, yeah, uh, as of late, in the last like two years or whatever that we've watched, like I mean, granted, maybe on uh, on television he's had some clean wins to like jobbers or something. Well, I'm sure of that. But, but yeah, like, but like in, on a on a on a pay per view. On a pay per view or a. Big event. Big event. <laughs> yes. Where's where, where's my rim shot? Yeah, I don't I don't have oh, one. There's nothing for me to hit. I just got a table. So moving, we got Iron Mike Sharp versus Dick Slater. Who's the first Iron Mike? Uh, I'm gonna go with Iron Mike Sharp. <laughs> is that pre? Is it pre? Like I get Tyson probably starts boxing right after he's this. He's definitely pre. Uh, pre Tyson. But I just wasn't sure if there was an Iron Mike's before then or how that. Like yeah, it's like I don't know. don't know. Like you only think here Iron Mike, you only think. I only think of Tyson. Mike. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why, but might be because we're not Canadian. Because Sharp claims to be Canada's greatest athlete, which we all know is not true because Bret Hart's just at this point. Yeah. But that's who we were missing from this show. I'm just saying. Slater is the rebel and wears a Confederate flag to the ring. Does this change your feet at all? Nah, I mean, 
people still love watching Hulk Hogan matches. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, I mean, I... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Dick Slater could have said worse or, uh, or nothing at all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Confederate flag, I don't think, was... Is, it's 1986. I don't think it's as ethically wrong at this yeah. point in the general yeah. public. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like it, it, it's, it sucks. It, but it sucks, but I don't think that people view it the same way that they did as time went on. So uh, during the match, there's a cutaway to a camera. It's one of your camera shots that oh, you're talking about. I love it. Where it's at the back of the crowd, and a fan has a Hogan foam finger on, and he like points back at the ring. And the camera just zooms like right along with the phone <laughs> finger so back. Thought it was a great shot, but yeah, you can't plan those moves. Or maybe they could have like maybe they could have played for it. Yeah, they could have been like, hey, do this. <laughs> yeah, but Slater hits a neckbreaker, but then misses an elbow drop. Slater floats over on a scoop slam attempt, which was kind of cool. And then he gives a Russian leg sweep and a big elbow to the top of the head from the top rope. And then he grabs the legs like he's gonna like uh, like he's almost about to put a figure four or something on, but then flips over on top of Sharp and gets the three count. I mean, this is basically a Slater. Dick Slater had just joined the WWF at yeah. this point, and this is basically almost like a Jake Snake match from WrestleMania two, where it was basically a squash match. Yeah, that they were just trying to get over. Yeah, it's like oh, we their want new, yeah, their like, new acquisition. Like, basically. We've got Dick Slater. Look how cool he is. But obviously, I mean, like, I, Mike got, like, a bunch of booze for being Captain Canada. Yes. I mean, so, like, when, yeah, well, you mean when you're in Toronto and you go, I'm ca- uh, Canada's greatest athlete. Yeah, I mean. You're, you're getting some heat on that one. So then we go to Mean Gene. He's with Botch and the main event. And Mean Gene tells Bobby, you are part of him. He goes, no, I make history. And he does, and it's true, and it's awesome. <laughs> so good. But for calling him Weasel. Which yeah. then starts a weasel chant uh, where they're at. That weasel is on, like, basically. Probably toward, more towards the locker room. Yeah, yeah. More towards the locker room. Basically, ring. in between, like, the where, where a wrestler would come out and the ring. The walkway, I guess, is what I'm looking so for. So we're on to our sixth match, which is Machines. And we're going to get Super Machine and Big Machine. And Captain Lou Albano. Did the Lou face this time? I don't think I don't he did. Remember. Because it was in the ring, so I don't. I think that would probably have been a or some sort, and Giant Machine is with them on the outside, and they're going to face King Kong Bundy, Big John Stud, and Bobby the Brain Heenan in a six-man tag match. Uh, be a real beef party. Yes, they're. <laughs> I hope they they supported this ring very well because there's a Heenan is the smallest person. <laughs> yeah, and Heenan. How tall is, is he? He's like probably like. Six foot, right? He's six foot, two like, hundred. Yeah, maybe. yeah, like he's just kind of like a like flabby guy, right? Yeah. So there's a story behind this match, as uh, the machines and Heenan family were feuding at this time. So Heenan family had been feuding with Andre the Giant, and then Andre didn't show up for a match that he was supposed to have, and so Heenan got Jack Tunney, the president of WWF, to suspend the Giant. Now, in real life, this was basically a way so he could go off and film The Princess Bride. Yeah. And then, months later, the machine started showing up. They premiered in WWF, and the Heenan family were convinced that one of them was Andre the Giant. How could they tell? 
They had masks on. I have no clue. <laughs> Breaking kayfabe here. Yeah. Giant Machine was actually Andre the Giant. <laughs> but... You couldn't tell from those, those, those legs. Exactly. Andre the Giant legs. So, but Super Machine, who was the smaller of the three machines... Small Machine. Uh, was better known as Axe from the Tag Team Demolition. Actually, after the machine kind of runs its course, that's what his next gimmick will be. Yeah. That's what most people probably remember him as. And he's actually a member of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. Big Machine, who was the Bomber Bear of the Three Bears, was better known as Blackjack Mulligan, which we have never seen before, and I don't know if we will ever see him again. But he's a member of the Professional Wrestling and WWE Hall of Fames. And as the match is starting, we get some weasel chants going on, because, you know, Bobby's there. Uh, Bobby looks like he washed a pair of Andre's tights, they shrunk, and he decided to wear them. Yeah. It looked exactly like what Andre wears. Uh, but the match starts, Super Machine knocks Stud out of the ring, and we get a Giant Machine slamming his head on the apron before rolling him back in. Stud is starting to work over Big Machine, and he gets Big Machine down, and he tags in Heenan. Who tries goes and tries to take the mask off, but Super Machine comes in and Heenan does the cowardly thing, runs away to get Stud tagged back in. Then Super Machine's in the heels corners and Heenan's going after the mask again. Stud's holding him, and Bundy King Kong Bundy goes to clotheslining, and Super moves out of the way, and Stud ends up hitting King Kong Bundy. Poor Bundy. But they finally get Super Machine down, tags in Heenan again. Stud does. And as Heenan is directing traffic, being like, you know, okay, Stud, you do this, mm-hmm. Bundy, you do this, Super Machine gets up, tags in Captain Lou. And then we get the best part of this match. Albano Irish whips Heenan so hard that he flips into the turnbuckles. <laughs> but Heenan takes control with the eye rake, and he tags Stud in. Uh, well, how much bigger is Stud here than the last time we saw him? I feel like... He's probably grown at least another 30 pounds or so. <laughs> he looks huge. Uh, but Stud starts taking down both Super and Big Machine, knocking them to the floor while Heenan and Bundy are beating on Albano in the corner. Giant Machine crawls into the ring and starts headbutting everybody. And the bell is rung. Giant, the Giant Machine pop. Giant Machine pop, It's yes. huge. I mean, for a new guy in the company, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. getting a huge pop. For his first, his, his first official battle. So, post-match, Heenan gets thrown back into the ring by Albano for Giant Machine to hit him once again. And the official announcement was a DQ win for Stud, Bundy, and Heenan. As, obviously, Giant Machine wasn't technically part of the match. So, let's move on to our seventh match. Snake Pit. We got Jake the Snake Roberts versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in a Snake Pit match. And well, I forgot what is the snake pit match? Right? Snake pit match, no match DQ, anything goes. It's basically just There's a no DQ, no no DQ, DQ match. Yeah. But there is a story behind the match. These two men were supposed to face each other, each other at the Saturday night main event that happened maybe like a month or so before yeah. uh, the big event. And Roberts would attack Steamboat from behind and then lay him out with a DDT on the concrete floor. And then he would place Damien, his snake. Not, uh, not, uh, not Guerrero's son. No. <laughs> or no, Mysterio's son. Mysterio's Sorry. Son. On there top was, of Ricky. Yeah. 
And Ricky started bringing out a Komodo dragon after this. Yeah, like, and, I'm excited for that. And they were going to have both the pets, but I think there was some like yeah, Canadian law of... I get it. Something or other. So they couldn't have like, they couldn't have them at ringside. Yeah. Basically. The uh, I just I don't know. Steamboat with like his wife come out and she's got like a crazy dress and just like a kimono dragon on like a, <laughs> and she's just like by the ring holding it on a leash. But when do we get uh Jake with the big like the big famous um where he has, where it has like the big crazy like dragon wing thing. I have no clue. You've seen this before, right? I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, I'll show you a picture later. There's a really cool old uh, Hasbro toy that I've been looking on eBay for. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) Of of that that ring gear. So Steamboat's theme music hits as he's coming out. Did you recognize it? (laughs) Yeah, of course I did. Serious by Alan Parsons Project. Or as everybody knows, uh, that song that gets you pumped about basketball. <laughs> if you were, Chicago Bulls yeah. intro music from back in yeah, the nineties. Like, yeah, nah, nah, nah. yeah, it's so good. And it, I like I've never really listened to Alan, Alan Parsons Project. I know who they are. Uh, I know that joke from uh, one of the first two uh, Austin Powers movies. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, like this song just sounds like basically like an intro to a song. Because there's no, like, words. If you ever listen to the whole song, yeah, like, that it, is the whole that song. That is the whole song. And I'm like, man, like, I can get into this. I like that kind of stuff. But I guess, I assume they have vocals and they're, like, a real prog band that probably had a couple of hits. But maybe we'll deep dive after this. We'll listen to Alan Parsons Project's greatest hits. We'll wind down. Take us just a few minutes, probably. <laughs> uh, but Roberts attacks Steamboat before the bell rings. And we get our Pearl Harbor from Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, a guy in the crowd keeps yelling DDT. Yeah. I love the guys in the crowd just yelling random What's things. kind of crazy about the show is, like, it's a, like, dome show, I guess. Uh, it's a it's a huge arena, but, like, the crowd comes through really well on this tape. Yeah, Whereas, like, they are definitely starting to mic like the crowds. But, like, the crowds watching, like, current shows in domes and stuff, like, you, it's still hard to hear the crowd. Uh, yeah, the I mean, same, the same kind of with the same kind of clarity, um, and it's like you know, smaller companies always have a hard time with that. Anyway, so we send uh, a steamboat back kick, sends Roberts to the apron, and then once on their outside, Roberts scoop slams steamboat, and then drapes Ricky on the edge of the stage, and begins to give him knees. But Ricky recovers, grabs a chair, and gives a couple chair shots to Jake, which rules. And the thing is, like, Ricky's Ricky's a baby, but he has reason to. I mean, he got DDT'd on concrete. Got DDT'd on concrete, exactly. A steamboat goes up to the top rope, gives a big chop to the top of the head for a two count. Roberts reverses an Irish whip attempt, sends Steamboat over the top rope to the floor, where Roberts slingshots Ricky head first into the ring post. And we've got... And we're broken over. <laughs> we've got color, baby, color. We've got color on... A WWF show. Yeah. Uh, Steamboat's wobbly, and he ends up walking off the edge of the stage. And Robert slams Ricky's head into the barrier right in front of a kid. Is that where he gets busted open? I think I that's mean, where he gets busted. Okay. It may have been the ring post first, but it it doesn't look like a like a like NWA gas job though. No. It looks like it's pretty classy as far as blood goes. So I mean, it might have been a, like a the hard way. Yeah. Uh, an atomic drop and an inverted backbreaker by Roberts back in the ring. And the snake mounts Steamboat for the pin, but Ricky reverses it and gets the pin and the win. 
And it rules. That's yeah. all. It rules. Jake, I, I like this match. I'm not going to say this is going to be one of the classic Steamboat matches. No. But I think I'm just so excited anytime we watch one of these shows and I get, like, Steamboat or, like, you know, like, Prime Jake. I, I understand. I was just... Maybe going into the match, my expectations were super high. Yeah. And then, like, halfway through this match, I went, I think this might be my least favorite Steamboat match I've watched. I, I, but we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep. We'll talk more about it later, probably. So we're headed to our eighth match. We got Billy Jack Haynes versus Hercules Hernandez. And uh, Lad and Valiant have decided to take a pee break. So I feel like that tells us pretty much all we need to know about this match. Hercules locks on a bear hug. But Haynes escapes by clapping the ears. Sorry, that was my my sound effects. I haven't tried this yet. <laughs> New development. So probably the same guy who was yelling DDT in the last match is now yelling at the ref to learn how to count. <laughs> and then we get a second rope elbow drop from Billy Jack. Like when he went up on the top rope and where Hercules was, I was like, there's no way he's getting all the way to him because it was like three-fourths of the ring. I was yeah. Like, but he did hit it. Went coast to coast. Or, yeah. Coast, coast to... Um, three-fourths. I had a word in my head, but, but I lost it, and it's fine, because this match doesn't deserve it. No, it doesn't. Uh, Billy Jack tries to get Hercules into a full Nelson, but isn't able to lock the fingers in, and Hercules gives a vertical suplex, but is slow getting to the cover. We get a clothesline and another pin attempt, but Billy Jack gets his foot on the ropes... But Hercules thinks he's won, and we get a really bad-looking schoolboy roll-up by Haynes, but only for a two-count. And then Hercules goes for a neckbreaker, but Haynes reverses it into a backslide to get the pin and the win. I didn't mind the finish. I mean, I thought <laughs> it, it was different yeah, for, two, yeah. for two big guys to yeah. have something like that. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It's not awful, but that's not. So we head to our ninth match. We got the Rougeau brothers, Jacques and Raymond. Versus the dream team of Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. Lad and Valiant, they're back in the booth. Like I, I said, why. Because this match is much better than the last one. <laughs> so the dream team attacks before the bell. And Beef, Beefcake gets tossed from the ring. And when he climbs back up on the apron, he's in the completely wrong corner. I don't know if you noticed this. The Rougeaus were on this corner. Yeah, and, he's and dream on. team should have been over here on this corner. But he literally like walked up and he was like standing right here. Which, Which makes you, no sense. Yeah, you makes no sense in audio. <laughs> the ref has Sorry, one. Sorry, we do this for us. Exactly. <laughs> so the ref has one of the slowest counts I have ever seen. I love that the announcers are actually calling him out on it. Yeah, that's nice. So we get a double double drop kick to Valentine. The Rougeaus go for the pin, and like I was saying, the ref like literally makes sure he puts his hand under the shoulders to make sure that he can. Like, he can't yeah. get it there. And then and then he starts counting, and it's literally like... Sometimes I love that move, but I hate it when it's overdone. The, like, shoulder check. It yeah. can be so good, but it can be but it can be equally as bad, depending on, you know, exactly. execution. We get some pandemonium breaking out until the Dream Team tries stereo running bulldogs, but gets pushed into each other. Jacques scoop slams Beefcake, and then Raymond climbs to the top rope and does a move which they call the... La Bombe de Rajou, or Rajou, which is basically, it's a flip senton. Yeah. Like, he, like, has has the hands of his partner, and uh-huh. then he does a flip, 
and throws them on the and, and basically the senton onto the which is cool. That was a cool looking move. They go for the pin. Valentine ends up breaking it up. Within the dream team starts uh, ramming Raymond's back into the apron, and they continue just to double team Raymond. Valentine puts a bear hug on Raymond, and see, this is where the bear hug doesn't work because Valentine. I mean, he's a bigger guy, yeah, but he's not. He's not huge. He's not big compared to, to sell, yeah to sell that. He's kind of like a, he's kind of like a fire hydrant of a man. Yeah, like, as opposed to like you know a he's not tall enough. I feel like yeah. Exactly. But as he has this bear hug on, Raymond reaches out, and Jacques climbs up on this with the second rope to try and reach, get it a little bit farther out. But the ref, that hot bag. But the ref catches that he's up on the second rope, gets him down. Valentine ends up winding up for an elbow drop, misses, goes for another, misses again, and Raymond is finally able to make it to the corner for the hot tag. Drop, court, drop, drop kicks, kicks times like four. It's like a scoop <laughs> slams. Is this the is this the the scoop slam show of the year? I feel like it was the, scoop I feel like it's show. the power move of, of the eighties. Yeah. Kind recovers though, and the dream team goes for a double team clothesline, but Jacques ducks, gives a drop kick to both of them, ends up going up on the second rope, but misses a double knee drop, and Valentine goes for the figure four, gets kicked off. Comes back, gets it locked in the second time, but Raymond comes in to break it up. We then see Beefcake and Valentine like toss Raymond out of the ring, and Valentine goes to lock in the figure four once again. But while the ref is getting Beefcake out of the ring, Raymond runs in, sunset flips Valentine, the ref starts the count, and they get the three count for the win. So the non-legal man got the pin. Yeah. Only in Canada. Was there no figure fours in this match? No. Valentine puts the figure four on. He gets kicked off the first time. The second uh, time he gets... Yeah. But then Raymond um, comes in and breaks well, it up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this match was good, though. It was a very good match. Yeah. It's like... Um, uh, and, like, how often did you... How many times did you say Brutus in this match? Because he was not really... Uh, <laughs> three times? <laughs> yeah. It was really good. I don't know much about the... Rougeau brothers, but I enjoyed their performance. Well, and they sold well. Raymond was getting up in age, so he's not around much longer. But Jacques goes on. Where were they before this? Uh, probably up in Canada. But Jacques goes on to become another WWF superstar under another name, the Mountie. Oh, <laughs> he's the Mountie. He's the Mountie. That's fucking awesome. And then, poor guy. <laughs> He forms the tag team, the Quebecers, with a gentleman named Pierre-Carl Alouette, who, in 2019, is more famously known as PCO. Oh, wow. That's yep. funny. God, PCO's old as hell. Yes, he is. But he's great. He loves to get hurt. <laughs> so good, though. Did, did you see him do the Frankenstein thing? The like electric chair thing? Yes. It's so great. People were talking about that back bump that he took, but that leg drop that he did, or like whatever it was to whoever's neck on mm-hmm. the outside because it was a, a huge tag match, was like the most terrifying thing I watched that whole show. And there was an, an Ibushi Naito match where there's like two men that don't care about their neck. And that was still like the scariest spot, I thought. Yeah. Like. Actually, I just watched, it was from last year's Joey Janela's Spring Break, but it was Most of the hardcore like PCO Vaulter. Oh, yeah. Amazing. 
It's on YouTube if you can okay. find it. All right, yeah, sorry for the sidebar. There Sidebars, was, it's we, okay. We, it was WrestleMania weekend like a weekend or so ago, and we haven't talked about New Japan. That was probably the best ROH showing of the night was the PCO. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but. So we're headed to our 10th match of the night at the big event. We got handsome Harley Race versus Pedro Morales. I love Harley Race's look. Dumb old sideburns, and it's like he has those like old man sailor tattoos that look like dog shit. It's great. So Race pushes Morales down into the timekeeper's table, then gives a falling headbutt onto the floor, and then rams Morales' face into the ring post. Harley goes for a suplex at one point, but Morales reverses it for a vertical suplex of his own. And then we get a small package by Morales, but only for a two count. Small package didn't win. It's amazing. Yeah, small package doesn't always win. So Race charges into the corner, but Morales sunset flips him for a two count. And then Morales punches Race into the corner, but the ref is getting in the way. So Harley does a double leg takedown, gets his feet on the ropes for the leverage and the pin. Yeah, the miscarriage of justice. They say that like 15 times. It's a miscarriage of justice. It's like, yeah, how the ref beat Pedro. Also, it's probably Jesse, but Jesse says some like pretty whack racist shit about Pedro. I don't remember exactly what it was. It's probably Valiant. Is it Valiant? Okay. Yeah, because Jesse's not on this. Oh, yes, he wasn't there. Okay. Yeah. I just, I had the, the, the A-N-N as a poor announcer. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to assume it's Jesse. But after this match, a bullshit chant breaks out. Yeah. Because... For good reason. It was a miscarriage of justice. I want to hear a miscarriage of justice chant. Next time we go to a show... Miscarriage of <laughs> justice. Miscarriage of justice. If we could learn some of those, like... Uh, Cool UK trance, we might be able to like get it in there, like like with the syllables. I literally watched some of those NXT UK shows, and I have no clue what they're saying. No, it's like they're but they're it like, sounds yeah, so much they're, fun. They're so into it. I've only watched like the takeover, but it was a blast, and a lot of it was just because the crowd was so stoked. Exactly. Granted, it was a pretty fantastic show, except for that spot they tried like three times and screwed up twice. That was not good. No, but hey. So we hit to our main event, the 11th match of the night. We get Paul, Mr. Wonderful Orndorff, with Bobby Heenan in his corner, versus Hulk Hogan for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. So the story behind this match was that these two were in a tag match at one point because Orndorff was a face, and they were tag partners. And Orndorff allowed the other team to double-team Hogan for an extended period of time. Before, uh, that's cool. Before helping clear the ring. Have you watched that match? I have not. That sounds cool. I like that could be sold well, or in an interesting way. But Orndorff would then help Hogan to his feet, only to finish him off with a clothesline and a pile driver. And then in the weeks leading up to this match. Orndorff started using Real American as his theme music. That's how you create a heel that rules. And mocking Hogan by mimicking his poses and in-ring routines. Orndorff must, must pose. <laughs> so they're headed out. Real American's playing because it's the theme music for both of them at this point. Did they both come out at the same time? <laughs> it basically felt like they did. Yeah, all these shows are like that. The entrances are not the way that they... It's not the same as it is now. No. Heaton still doesn't have pants on from when he was in his match. Kind of wish he did. Orndorff attacks Hogan as he's uh, being checked by the ref, you know, making sure he doesn't have anything in his boots or whatever. Both men just throwing right hands, just, you know, left and right. 
Uh, Orndorff pulls Hogan to the outside, slams, tries to slam his head into the apron, but Hogan reverses it and slams Mr. Wonderful's head instead. Then we get a clothesline and an elbow drop from Hogan. Orndorff hits Hogan, which puts him on the ropes, and Heenan reaches up and slaps him in the face. Oh, yeah. Hogan no-sells it. He does. It's cool. Hogan then gives an atomic drop to Orndorff and then gets out of the ring and begins to chase Heenan around. But Heenan crawls into the ring, and as Hogan follows, Orndorff comes comes through and kicks Hogan to take control of the match. We then see Orndorff give a clothesline to send Hogan out to the floor, gives a suplex to Hogan on the, on, outside. On the stage That's floor. That's so cool. And, and then Orndorff elbows he Hogan. Sells, yeah, Hogan sells it like yeah. <laughs> Hogan selling is is a thing. Just keeps giving him like elbows on the on the floor on the apron. They're back in the ring, and for some reason the ref and Orndorff start getting into an argument. Orndorff keeps doing like one move and then going for the pin. Two counts galore. Orndorff finally goes for the pile driver, but Hogan back body drops him. Yeah. Orndorff starts biting Hogan's forehead at one point. I, I was totally expecting blood. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh, yeah, it's like, I have a blade question mark yeah. in my notes. Orndorff hits a back suplex, but then Hogan begins to hulk up, knees Orndorff in the back. Which... I need to make, make up a sound for whenever we, there's a hulk up, because we're going to have a lot of these hulk ups. It's like, uh, at least for uh, a little while longer, uh, yes. I don't know. I'll work uh, on it. <laughs> Yeah, you do that. Uh, but he knees Orndorff in the back, which ends up knocking the ref down as well. We get a clothesline, and Hogan goes to attempt a pile driver of his own. Keenan comes in and hits Hulk with a wooden stool. It's awesome. Where does he get the stool from? At the corner of the boxing match they're having. Okay. <laughs> it rules, though, because it looks awesome. So Hogan's down. Orndorff goes for the cover, but the ref's still out from the ref bump. Trash is the, the count. It's like it's like, it goes up to like a twelve count. It's like trash is being the ring. So much trash being thrown in the ring because Hogan. Five. I think they get up to like a fifteen count for real. The ref comes over, taps Orndorff's shoulder, and Heenan jumps in the ring with the belt, starts putting it around Mister Wonderful's uh-huh. waist. They're celebrating, and then the ref raises Hogan's hand. The official announcement: Fucking Hogan with the DQ victory. Some mean ass tease. It's bullshit. Post-match, Orndorff continues to beat Hogan down, goes to hit him with the belt. Hogan blocks it, then hits him, hits Orndorff with the right hand, a clothesline, and the big boot to clear the ring. It's good shit. Uh, I will say that, like, is Paul from Canada? Because he gets some pretty big cheers throughout this match. I think the... Uh, Canadians don't love their Hulk. I mean, Hulk, Hulk I, mean, I think, American been the champion for... Three years at this point. Yeah. So I mean, it's They're just a little sour. A little sour, maybe. But after the match is over, we get the credits with some music playing, and that's the end of our two-hour show. Yeah. That we watch. I like this show. I love. Maybe it's just the way it was shot. Maybe it's because I wasn't expecting it. But that fucking stool shot was exciting. I don't know why, but I found it pretty. I found it very like entertaining. I feel like the the big match was. Large enough for a bigger hand. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I, I was kind of a thumbs in the middle yeah. for the show. I mentioned the Tonga Morocco match when we talked about it. I was like, it went way too long. But other than that, I didn't feel like there was anything technically wrong with the show. 
but there was nothing that was too no. excited about either. Yeah. There's no, like, Stone Cold classic matches in it. We're just like, ah, we got to see this. Same time, you could kind of say that about, like, the wrestling classic, but I feel like the wrestling classic is a more fun show. It's definitely a much more fun show. Yeah. There's... Like, this show is fun. It's just not the same kind of fun. There's two or three squash matches that, if if this was a pay-per-view... It would have been like, why is this match on here? Yeah, like, I mean, the classic has a bunch of shady shit, but it's fun because of, of what it is. I'd rather have a squash match than a or shady shit going on than because it's, because it it could be a storyline. Yeah, and if you're yeah. a squash, is like well, you can get him over somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right, fuck you. I think it's time to smart. So, what were some of the best moments? Of the evening for you. Well, I already... I liked that Steamboat's blood looked real. Because we watch these NWA shows, and somebody just, like, with no precision at all jams like, a razor blade into look, their forehead. Looks, looks at you wrong when you're bleeding. Yes, show. and it's disgusting. I like that... I like the classy blood on a man as classy as uh, Steamboat. I was uh, impressed by the Rigeau brothers. Who are yes. they? Are they Canadian? Yes. They're just kidding. They're they're, just, they're, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, talk, we said that. I mean, obviously, they're, that they're was shows. They're probably, that was my favorite match of the show. Yeah, it was impressive because I was like, I don't know who these guys are, and they go on to have I mean, like, that flip uh, Centon. Yeah. That was. Like, yeah, know, we all know Greg Valentine's uh, fantastic. We all know Beefcake is uh, mostly trash. But those guys, like, really carried carried they, the they, best match on the They put the a night. match on, yeah. And it's it, it sucks to know that they didn't end up. You know, that there's probably not a whole lot of material. Maybe there is, but I wouldn't... I, mean, I would be interested to go down a rabbit hole to see what those guys did in their careers. Because I can't, I can't imagine they're showing up at what the, ne- the next WWF event we have is WrestleMania 3. Probably not on WrestleMania 3. I have no clue. <laughs> I mean, the, kill, the, killer, the Killer Bees were fun. Oh, the kill! Uh, I literally like to, the killer to start that, that match to start the to start the show was fun. Yeah, that first match was was really fun. Like I said, the the babies winning by heel the babies tactics. Winning by heel and tactics. And the fact and like them like they're them sneaking around and that shot of them crouched with like they come in with the masks. Yeah, it was, it was super fun. How about? I like like it was cool to see Haku. I mean, we saw him in the battle royal. Yeah, he was in that. But it was but cool I mean, to see him in like a match. Good to battle. see him in an actual match. Yeah, yeah. battle royal that was, was fun. Lucky. Uh, how about disappointing? Anything disappointing in the show? Oh, I'm sure that it was. I mean, <laughs> no Morocco, there, Morocco putting a six-minute trapezoid hold on is always disappointing. <laughs> yeah, the Dick Slater, Iron Mike. I mean, it was, it was, I actually it was, liked that I, match yeah. just to, for it to show off Slater. I didn't like the RCD match. Yeah. I thought that was super the disappointing. RCD or whatever. Junkyard still not getting a clean win yeah. is disappointing. But it was a fun match. It was the good, I will get. It, I, I will it, give was, it, it was the. It's the kind of like sloppy, big, cartoony fun that I enjoy from the WWF or just from wrestling in general. And I feel like that it's done in a way that's very because when it's I guess it's sloppy is the wrong word because it's big and it's silly. But when it's sloppy, it's not fun anymore. When you're not sure what's happening, then it's not fun anymore. And I feel like most of these junkyard dog matches. Something silly happens, but it's never you're never too confused. It's kind of like that, yeah. it's kind of like you know like good. Like, it's, very phys- black it's like and it's, white. it's like physical comedy. It's like oh, it's like I yeah I know why that's funny. It's like because he sits yeah. on the banana peel. It's funny. I saw it. 
but it's obviously more complex than that. But I feel like that it always comes across. And I mean, I mentioned it earlier. I didn't love the Steamboat Roberts match. I, yeah, I, I think, I but I think, like I said, I think I just because it was I went in with higher hopes. such higher hopes yeah. for it that it just didn't live up to those. I was I, excited to see a, a a Jake match. We haven't seen a lot of Jake matches. I mean, this is only the second one we've seen. Yeah, and, and the first one was a squash match. Yeah, so it doesn't count. So I think I was excited to see him do something because we all we all know the the personal history of Jake the Snake, and we've all heard absolutely. Everybody always say that the the man had like the one of the best minds for the business and mm-hmm. yeah. you know could put together a match and all this. So I'm excited to see that while it's still good. And I think that this was fun. It was a quick one, but it wasn't like it wasn't prime steamboat. How about best performer of the night? I'm going to Jacques Rougeau. Yeah, because he with that flip senton, he sold like crazy, and then got the he actually got the hot tag. Was it Raymond that did the? I don't know. It's hard for me when those we when it's a tag. And oh, actually, Raymond's the one that does the the flip senton. Uh, okay. So, I mean, yeah, that was so the... both the Rougeau brothers of my performers yeah. of the night. I, I mean, like, I think I, we we both said that that was our favorite match of the night. I can't disagree with that at all because it was it was surprising. It wasn't only like good, but it was like who the hell is? I mean, this? I hated the finish a little bit just because it was like the non-legal guy. Yeah, but how many you're going to be saying I hate the finish for? Years to come, buddy. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> Just and wait until we get to some like prime WCW stuff. <laughs> and like that's prime. How about surprising? Anything surprising happened in the show? I don't know. I don't think I was expecting a Harley race match. No, I wasn't so, either. So that was I, surprising. I think this is right around the time he'd either they've been having the King of the Ring. I'm not real. I'm not real sure. So I think he just won the King of the Ring, but they didn't mention it at all. Yeah. And so he becomes King Harley Race at one point and does the whole royalty thing. Yeah. But like I said, they didn't mention it. So maybe that maybe that was the most surprising. I was kind of surprised that the machines match wasn't more fun. Oh yeah, it wasn't fun at all. It was like it was okay, but it was just kind of like a big mess. Haku, that was kind of cool. It was, it was cool to see him, even though we had that. Dumb trap spot. Six minute rest yeah. hold. Yeah. That's like Haku that is related to everybody on the planet. Yes. Yeah. He's like the godfather. Yeah. Haku that like. Except like, for not the They like godfather. shows up in New Japan still sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of crazy to see him uh, like that that long ago. To know that he's still, you know, hanging out with. Uh, or the, I guess those are his sons? Yeah. Yeah. With his sons in, in Japan sometimes. And now for a look back even farther into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish Professional wrestling began to struggle in the early 1900s, with Frank Gotch's retirement and World War I tightening the purse strings of many people. But climbing through the carnival circuit would be the next superstar, Ed Strangler Lewis. Lewis would break into wrestling at the age of 14, he would be one of the first to use the side headlock, a move that is seen as transitional in the current era, but in Lewis's time, the headlock was seen as a way to maneuver opponent's shoulders to the mat. In the hands of a talented person such as Lewis, the stranglehold was a match ender. What's the riff from Stranglehold? Say what now? Oh, the, the one good Ted Nugent song. Oh. Sorry. 
<laughs> Continue. <laughs> Ted Nugent is completely not my... Oh, Stranglehold's a good song. Everything else about that guy can shut up. <laughs> Next week, Starcade 1986. It's a Starcade. It is, <laughs> it is a Starcade. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. So uh, if you like the music from... Uh, well, the music from this show. Not if you like it. The opening theme... I couldn't find the actual theme. So you're gonna play? Uh, so you're gonna play the Alan Parsons song? No, I was gonna play the Coliseum Home Video. You theme probably song. should, because I feel like the, the Alan Parsons Project song is too good for this show. Not that this show's bad, but that song's really good. Yes, that song's very good, <laughs> and it is much better than this entire show. Probably right about now, you're starting to hear Rick Derringer's "Real American." Hero. Because Hogan, Hogan yeah. won his match. Well, I mean, so. yeah, but this is the Paul Orndorff version. It's the same song. <laughs> it's the same version. So you, if you like us, you can rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or just wherever you find your podcasts. If there's some place that you'd like to find it on, let us know. We're trying to get it on there. Fun trying to get stuff up for you. And uh, email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling, H-I-S-T-O-X. Talk to you next week.